Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We are all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. I am really excited to be joined in this A Half Dozen Things podcast episode by Jem Hills. Jem has spent 20 years working in and training elite special forces. He undertook numerous undercover operations in active conflicts and training missions around the world, developing specialisms in counterterrorism, weapon systems, paramedicine, and close protection. Jem has always had a very strong work ethic. He now successfully leverages the hard-learned principles of leadership, discipline, accountability and resiliency honed during 20 years of operations and training with special forces under seriously difficult conditions to help his clients build and inspire high-performance teams to deliver world-class performance in their business arenas. One of Jem's sayings is to set a goal so big that you can't achieve it until you grow into the person who can. We will be talking about gems a half dozen things for building a successful life and career or business. Those half dozen things we discuss are goal setting, resilience, adaptability, great communication skills, focus, esprit de corps, creating a fantastic culture in your people and finally Jem insisted we had a seventh thing to add to his half dozen things. His final piece of advice is to be daring. I had loads of insight speaking to Jem and he is such an awesome person too. I really hope you enjoy this interview as much as we did making it. Good morning, Jem. How are you today? I'm great, Pete. How are you? Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, And thank you and welcome to the Half a Dozen Things podcast. It's a delight to have you join us. I've uh, I've just told the listeners all the interesting uh, background for you and your bio. So uh, yeah, really appreciate you joining us. It's really, really exciting to to talk through things with you today. So Jem, your first focus area is to have a goal and be very specific about the goal. You said you have to keep going, especially when things get tough. Now, I know as ex-Special Forces, when you say when things get tough, you mean much tougher than us mere mortals now understand or comprehend. Um, could you please tell us uh, more about why goal setting is so important for you, as well as like what tough really means? Okay, toughness is basically relative. I'll come back to that in a minute. But if I look back to yeah, my Special Forces selection, 
by that stage, I'd actually had four years in the Marines and I joined 4-5 Commando and I've become an Arctic Warfare Specialist. So without realising it, those four years were like an apprenticeship of where I was going to go. And the training that we did, I mean, Royal Marine training is pretty tough and then joining 4-5 Commando. As the Arctic Warfare Commando, we did pre-Arctic Warfare training and it was called mountain training. And that was, and I just, I mean, I did this straight after marine training, but when we suddenly did mountain training, that was tough. And, you know, so what actually is tough, and I think it's being able to endure hardship, whoever we are, and it's only when you're pushing yourself to another level that anything becomes tough. So it doesn't matter where we are at any stage, if we're going to push ourselves to another level, then that's tough because it's it's going through those barriers and it's it's something that we're where we haven't been before. But I totally believe that we all need to have a challenge and we should push ourselves you know, every day. Back in four five commando, our pre-deployment before we went to the Arctic Circle in Norway was this mountain training in Scotland. And it was normally October and November. It would be honking it down with rain. It would be cold. But every day without fail, we'd be on the mountains by daylight and we'd have a large Bergen and we'd be yomping, you know, as the, the Marines call it. We'd be hiking up to the, the highest point. And that would be our day. didn't matter what the weather would be doing. Some days you could hardly see. And incredible. It's incredible. And once you got to the top, guess what? You come back down. And initially, I hated it. But it's one of those things that I actually came to love. And I really love being up in the mountains. And it was, you know, after about four years, you suddenly, you're looking to push yourself a little bit further. And that's when I decided to volunteer for Special Forces. And within Special Forces, there, there was no training program. You couldn't go on the internet and get you know, a guide to Special <laughs> Forces. It just wasn't there. Um, there wasn't any gurus on the internet to tell you how to do it. <laughs> to be honest, mate, there was there was no internet. I mean, that you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a fossil. <laughs> but you, you couldn't go anywhere. I mean, and probably the only place you could go to were people, unfortunately, people that who failed it because you never get to meet the, meet the people who passed because they got into the organisation. And these guys who possibly had failed came up with these tales of woe of how difficult it was. And of course. So when we started it, we had no idea what was what, what it was, and it's six months long. But my goal was to finish. And so what I had to do, first of all, before I went on, I actually spoke with my troop sergeant who became, you know, we didn't have coaches then. But he helped me, and he helped me put a program together. Because one thing I did know, I had to be physically and mentally fit more than I'd ever been before if I wanted to have any chance of attempting or passing out special forces selection. So I had to be much fitter, much stronger, had to swim better and I had to be mentally tougher than before but you you arrive there and you you look around and you look at the other people that are on the course with you and you're like well he, yeah, he looks pretty good we have this adaption of you know sort of you know where do we fit um but for me I had to break it down into bite-sized pieces how do you break the six months of unknown training that you just know is tough yeah so I broke it down into a daily target and that that target for me was to to survive a day mm -hmm. and so I had a little routine just before I got into bed I had a calendar you know we had a, a locker I think my my possessions were you know a locker a bed and a chair yeah and at the back on the other side of my locker I had a, I had a calendar which covered the, the period of time yeah and the only thing we knew that was a constant was that every day started at six o'clock in the morning with a brutal PT session. 
It, it would be about an hour, but wherever we were, we knew it was going to be hell. So at the end of the day, I would get my PT kit, put it on the back of my chair, check the alarm, and the alarm would be set at 10 to 6. And when it rang, you wouldn't even consider pressing snooze. <laughs> it was like that instant as it as it kicked off, you'd be out of bed into your PT kit and running towards the gym. Yeah. But I checked the alarm, go to my locker door, and tick off a date. Of course. So, so you genuinely didn't know what would come over the six-month period. You, you you didn't know what was a few days ahead. There was total unknown as well. Just Absolutely. the only goal to keep you going was that six months, I need to have finished this. I can't drop out. Absolutely. And, and when I say I get into bed, some days at 2 o'clock in the morning, they wake us up or 10 o'clock at night and give us tasks. So the first part of it, when they're trying to you know, really hammer you down, you get sleep deprivation. You know, they wake you up, give you tasks that you wouldn't get back in till 5 o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, you'd actually be checking your PT kit there at half past 5, get into bed, and your alarm would go at 10 to 6. Wow. Wow. And it, and it is tough. I mean, and that's yeah. the fact that you'd survived the day was so important. And that was why I think goal setting to me is really important. And I think that's yeah. in life and in business. And I very much believe that you should have a five-year goal, a three-year goal, a one-year goal, a six-monthly goal, a three-monthly goal, a one-monthly yeah. goal, yeah. a weekly goal. But also, you know exactly what you've got to achieve that day because that's your one thing that you've got to achieve. That's getting you, my day in Special Forces training, that's getting me closer towards the end goal. Of course, of course. Every day, everything that you do, sometimes we get a lot of distractions, but make sure you've got that one thing that's getting you a little bit closer to your goal. And of course. When, when you put your goals out there, if you can, make them visual. Yes, okay. So you can actually look at them every day and make them, if you can get an emotional attachment to them, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think that's really important because that's what gets you out of bed in the morning. And that's what gives, gives you your, it ignites your emotional rocket. That's, absolutely, what, yeah. that, that's what gets us going. And if you can relate that emotion to the goal, it means so much more. So I combine my goals with life and business. You know, yes, you have your business goals and you have your life goals, but if you tie them together and bring that, emotion into it it makes it that much stronger and gives you that much more reason to achieve it at the end yeah absolutely and i i, I, t I totally agree with that when i when i embarked on my vision of of flagship and how i wanted to build a life uh, for me and my family in the future uh, one of the things i did it when i sat down this year to look at my goals was i've actually i've, I've created it's not a vision board because I, i'm I'm not too sure about these vision board things, but I've got a series of pictures I have up in the in when when I brush my teeth every morning and when I brush my teeth every evening. And there's a photo of uh, an older couple playing golf in a sunny hot resort. And I think of my retirement, my wife. And there's great family activities that are happening abroad. There's a you know a convertible car doing a road trip of America. All the things that I want to achieve and experience, as well as as well as be. So not just sort of financial goals, but also lifestyle goals as well amalgamated in together and when I each day when I get up I know I know exactly what I need to I need to do obviously sometimes there's a there's a bit of a challenge but uh, it does help to sort of steer on track no that's that's fantastic goal setting very very important so yeah. second focus area was about being resilient Jem so what does resilience mean to you Jem then t tell me a story about sort of what when you've needed to be resilient if that's okay yeah, and I think it's, it's one of those words that people are like, oh, they shy away from it. You know, what does it actually mean? And to each one of us, I think that does have a different meaning to every one of us, which makes us different. And 
to me, it's about our elasticity. It's about how we how we stretch and how quickly we can bounce back to normality after something's gone wrong. And I think that to me is, is what it's actually about. And we make our own resilience from learning from our mistakes and the hardships that we've gone through. So when we fail, I mean, it, it, sometimes it's really difficult, but always try and fall forward and, and make sure you can learn from those mistakes. If I think back to basic marine training, it, it, it was tough, but they actually do teach resilience within that training because they want their soldiers and marines to be resilient Oops. so so with that what i mean one of the things and a good example of this i think is the mud run and it was something that we, you'd hear about it and you dread the day that the mud run would would happen the ptis were like the torture experts they would do things to your body that you know you didn't know pain could be so bad and and we always in the marines they have this thing called the bottom field which is where the assault course is and it's like right we're going on to the bottom field but then on occasion it would be like right we're going off the bottom field turn right here and we'd run through the gates it onto the river x and unfortunately the tide would be out and there'd be this vast amount of mud and your legs just can't go in here running on mud is probably one of the worst things you can do that and sand but a mud run and they would push you. I mean, they, they they knew how far they could push you. And so they would be pushing you. We wouldn't know. But we were being pushed mentally further than you've ever been pushed before. And, and that is making you tough. It's making you stronger. And so you would keep going. You keep going. And then once you think you couldn't do any more, they'd bring the logs out. And you'd have to do some more you know, training. And then you'd have to go, right, your buddy's gone down. You've got to drag him out. So it would be constantly going through this process of pushing you further and further and further. And when you finished it, you realized you'd achieved something, something that you hadn't done before, and you got that sense of achievement for doing something difficult. So in a way, that's sort of how you can train resilience, is by pushing people further than they thought they could go. You know, it comes back to personal experiences you know, of what you've gone through in the past. Um, when, when you look at business, it's it's... Again, it's being resilient in business and pushing yourself or your company or you, you know, that bit further. And there's some great examples of that. People who've, you know, KSC and Colonel Sanders went, you know, I think it was a, a thousand and nine times he tried to sell his recipe. Yeah. yeah. If he'd have given up on that a thousand and eighth time, we wouldn't have heard of KSC. One of the best stories, I think, is Sylvester Stallone. You know, he, he, he watched Muhammad yeah. Ali and he came up with this idea of, and he wrote the script for Rocky. Yeah. But, but his belief was the fact that he would play the boxer. Yeah. He totally believed that he was the right part for that, and he, he kept trying to sell. And I think he was offered, you know, like 300000 for it, but he wouldn't sell it, and that, that was for the script without him. Yeah. And he pushed and pushed, and he got turned down and turned down, and at one stage he actually, so the story says, he, he sold his dog. He was so broke. I heard that too, yeah. yeah. He sold his dog, and then... You know, the follow, I think two weeks later, he managed to he sold the script with him as the lead part for $30,000. Yeah, so he, he, he went back and he bought his dog and yeah, Rocky yeah. and the whole you know, series of films and Sylvester Stallone was born. Um, but yeah. it's, that, it's that resilience. So yeah, I think- what, what an incredible story. It is it is so much. At, and in fact, when you were speaking just now, I thought about the, the I, was, I was thinking about Rocky and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Rocky. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep 
going without giving up. And I'm pretty sure that's Rocky too. There's loads of great success stories. Um, I was reading one the other day about JK Rowling and Harry Potter um, and, and how many times she got turned down every time she went to a book yeah. publisher for Harry Potter. Yeah. And and just look at the, the scale of that enterprise now from film franchise, book franchises, you know, through to, you know, experiences and, and, and resorts and what have you for Harry Potter. It's just absolutely incredible, the success story and, uh, from from a woman who, who was sort of on benefit, single mother, writing a book and, and sort of taking it to publishers and what have you, you know. So, uh, yeah, massively important. Resilience is a huge, important part of success. So uh, the third focus area that you suggested was around being adaptable, especially when times are hard. What is adaptable to you and why is it so important, Jim? I look back and, uh, you know, very fortunate to have had, you know, 20 years in UK Special Forces. And it's like, you know, what makes Special Forces so important? And there's quite, there's some key things that skills that they have and one of them is being adaptable and it's you know in the military you hear this expression if no plan survives first contact with the enemy and that happens in life as well you know yes on the battlefield you know things go wrong but in life things go wrong and i think what we have to be is adaptable you have to be able to change a plan quite quickly but know you know when to change the plan know when to be adaptable you know, when, when that resilience, when you're pushing yourself, keep going, keep going, keep going. But at a certain stage, it's like, no, to overcome this, we've got to do something differently. Within our organization, we would, every, every person within the organization knows their job really well. So we do a lot of training. You, you, we rehearse, we practice. And before every operation, you put those into that methodology into practice. So you, you train, but we always have a plan B or have an emergency plan because things will go wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can't plan for everything. But if you can plan for you know, that what if, what if, what if. But if you're ready for a what if, and if you mm-hmm. have the right mindset of the what if, oh, yeah, damn, that's happened. Okay, let's look at it a different way. And I think that's that's really important. The, the first time I came under enemy fire, we're, you know, you're behind enemy lines, and it was like, oh, and something had gone wrong. We hadn't expected that. But we had a plan. We called for a hot extract extraction we did a strategic withdrawal from that location we got out of the pdq yeah we had to get out there's four of us against 120 so that's not good odds but we had this extraction plan we knew that things could go wrong and it worked and we survived to fight another day so it's understanding when things do go wrong that you've got to have a be adaptable have the mindset you know, not a fixed mindset. You want an adaptable mindset so you can change. Because there's nothing worse than somebody with tunnel vision that's just stuck and they won't listen to anybody. Yeah, so I think it's really important in business and it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, I think certainly from the things I've learned over my time is around the adaptability of pe- people I've worked with as well. You know, it's, uh, it's it's very good having someone who's very, very experienced at things, but they often get the, the challenges about their adaptability. Are they able to compete in in the current climate because they've adapted to the change? But that as a skill is becoming even more important as as evolution happens so much quicker, especially with technology, that as people we have to adapt to accommodate that. Certainly now more so than ever, you know, we're all adapting to the new world that we're living in and everything moving online and communicating online and, and those challenges. So, and that sort of leads us quite nicely actually into the into the fourth area that, that you suggested with, of your six key areas. And the fourth focus you said suggested was around having great communication skills. Um, have you always had a good level of communication? No. <laughs> no. no, I mean, it, 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 there's one of those things. I mean, what, 
as, as a kid when I was growing up, I was bullied quite severely, which is probably why I ended up, you know, joining special forces. Um, of course. I got, I, not, the bullying was quite intensive and I got to a stage where I could hardly communicate. So no, I didn't have good communication skills. It's one of those skills that you can learn. Yeah. And I think it's one of those, as being part of a leader, being part of that growth, you know, onto the, 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 the leadership uh, pattern or, you know, sort of a structure. You know, you've got to have great communication skills. The CEO, the, the, the head of the company, he's got to have the vision. You know, it's his company. He started it, or not necessarily started it, but he's got to carry that vision forward. He's got to do that with good communication because he's got to translate that vision to the rest of the, the team or the organization. And it's by good or bad communications as to whether the team will believe in it or him or not. So I think it's it's a really important skill of how you translate that. And I think we also we often forget this, but listening is a really good communication skill because you have to have an awareness of what's going on. We talk about emotional intelligence, but I think Listening is part of that and understanding. Um, with any of the operations that we would go on, we would always have a thorough debrief. And I think you should do that in business. If you've had a contract that's been great, you know, or if you've had a contract that's gone wrong, have a debrief at the end of it. You know, what was good about it? What was bad about it? What could we change? What do we need to do to make this better? And I think you should always you know, look, at your, look at and learn from the mistakes that you've had. Yeah, absolutely. I and not worry about it as well. And, and I think, you know, you know, having been 20 years in special forces, it is a big voice, but when mm. you have screwed up, you do put your hand up because in that business, lives are at stake and you're accountable to the rest of the team. And I think that, that sh sometimes it doesn't transfer into business, but I think that, that is really important, that, that accountability of, of how we look at things and how we admit failures sometimes. Because, again, it's, it's a learning curve. If we have screwed up, if we have done something wrong, we learn from it and we grow from it, we, the chances are you will never make that mistake again. Yeah, absolutely. I think but hopefully you know, it's like learning from it. Yeah, I think uh, communication is, is such a vital part of everything we do. I was, I, I have major imposter syndrome now based on my background in comparison. However, so I, I, I grew up, uh, I grew up in pubs uh, background. Well, I, I didn't grow up in pubs, but they, my first roles were in pubs and I was bar manager and what have you. And uh, I used to go and do relief management at a really young age. I was 18 and I just got my personal alcohol license and I was going and running some really, really rough pubs. So there was, there was a threat, you know, there, there, there were some really rough places. And uh, I was being mentored at the time by the the landlord of uh, one of the pubs. I was assistant manager at a guy. He's a New Zealander called uh, called Grant Adlam, and he uh, really really fantastic smashing guy. He was running a fantastic pub under the Green King franchise, um, and uh, he knew how to keep beer, and the beer was great. And he, he he knew how to run a great pub. And there were a lot of uh, a lot of travellers nearby, and there was a lot of travellers that would get into a lot of trouble at the weekend. They'd have a lot of beers and what have you. As a young 18, well, 17, 18 year old, sort of a bit wet behind the ears out of school and what have you. One of the things that still resonates with me now, and I can't do a Kiwi accent, but um, he said to me, Pete, you've got two ears and one mouth, and you need to use them in those ratios in this game. And uh, it's just stuck with me. It's just stuck with me forever. And he goes to me, I can hear that. So the pub had three different areas. It was fairly big. And he goes, if I, if I stand here quietly and don't talk, I can hear it every conversation that's going on in this pub and there was never any trouble because he knew he knew he could read people he could communicate with them he could diffuse situations there was never trouble people mixed from different backgrounds there and uh, you know getting the opportunity to watch someone I know it's 
completely different scenario but um you know a, a pub can be a threatening environment for people but families felt comfortable in there you'd have people who who were game for going elsewhere and causing trouble but they wouldn't in his pub and it wasn't because he was a big yeah. tough he wasn't a big tough guy you know it wasn't that it was his ability to communicate with people I, well, for, for many years i was a bodyguard you know I, mm. I you know trained you know special forces to become a bodyguard and, and took that into the civilian profession and you do it, it comes down to this emotional intelligence. I could probably I could probably listen to several conversations going on at the same time. And my other half, Kim, she she thinks I'm a little bit well. She thinks I'm a lot strange. But um, <laughs> yeah, what well, I still if I if I go into a bar or into a restaurant, <laughs> first thing I've got to work out is where the emergency exits are. If there's a mirror in the restaurant and it's close to us, I am totally distracted because I'm aware of everything that's going on in the in the in the restaurant. But I'll listen into conversations. As soon as I go in there, I'll look at the threat. And I'll do that, and I, I will box people. And I go, yeah, he's an accountant, he's a doctor, he's this. And they're probably not, but what it will leave me, it will leave me with a group of people, or three or four, who I can't box, and they will become the threat and the people that I need to be aware of. Got you. So it's, it's those environments that you go into, and I think that is that, as you say, it's part of that communication skill of to listening and being aware of what's going on around you and knowing when it's the important times to actually step in and, and help people or if, if I had a client it would be like excuse me sir but we need to leave now that's what it's about that, that communication system and I think with a company it's really important that the induction from day one you want to know the new employee is on board with you so he has to be in, inducted in the right way and, and that's by giving him the vision and giving him the values of the company so it's all about how you communicate you know the company values and the vision from day one so that yeah. they they want to work with you and not against you or not in this day and age when somebody's coming to work for you or for a company if it's a large company they'll chat to other people they'll do their own research they'll go on the internet and look at your values to see if they match their value yeah. and i think it's it's about retaining your employees now and keeping them all part of it and communication is just part of how that's in the bigger world we call that strategic communications yeah absolutely and um you know from from my corporate background i've certainly experienced sort of both flips of the coin where i've arrived on the first day of work and there's no there's no access to the network and there's no clear induction process but also on the other hand the the, the difference in impact it had on me when I, jo- I joined a large corporation and the first day i was there the it person was on site setting me up my access my login showing me all the software how that worked it blew my brains but it was there and my line manager was there and I set up an online learning pathway for the next couple of months that I knew that I needed to map out. And they mapped out the next three months as an induction process for me. And what, what were the clear objectives for what I needed to do? And, you know, all of those things proactively carried out. And it isn't just what I was told in the way I was communicated, but in the actions they took. And that from a communication point of view made made me feel valued as a person and i think that in a big organization where people are employed you know i work quite a bit in the transport sector and and that's very bad for here you go here's the keys mate there's your vehicle off you go <laughs> and uh, and and that's as far as uh, the induction goes and I think it's massively important especially with regards to health and safety and what have you as well so uh, right moving on to the the fifth focus for you then jem uh, and the fifth focus area is actually focus itself and being able to maintain and keep focus so um Firstly, why is that important? And secondly, do you have any tips or techniques that you've used in the past to help you remain, remain and stay focused too? I think in this day and age, I mean, there is 
so much information, so much distraction that hit us on a daily basis. And and it's really important that we can stay focused. And I, and I look at that and I, I've got my own little routines that I do for that. But I think if you look at focus, I mean, and, and can you imagine, you know, being in special forces, you know, so we only operate at night and you'll probably be behind enemy lines. You could be the number one in a four-man patrol, so a small patrol um, doing some reconnaissance. And you are patrolling, if you're the number one, towards the enemy. Every part of your body is... Uh, have you heard of the expression on point? Uh, no. Uh, what, I, I think I have, but probably not in that context. My daughter well, does ballet, so I think on point uh, is something a bit different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in quite, it, you know, it comes up quite a lot in, in, in American films about being on point, and I think that's being focused. And, and our, it comes from the number one guy is a, is a guy on point. He is a lead guy. He's the one that is, he should hopefully see the enemy before anybody else see or hear them. And the adrenaline going through your, your body when you could only do that for about an hour to two hours because it's so intense. You are so focused at that particular time. And I think that's how it has to be. I mean, you want to see or hear the enemy before they hear or see you. And so it's really important. It's a do or die situation. But if we bring focus back into today's world, how can we remain focused? But I think we have to look at what we're doing we have to schedule our day and i will set myself a blocks of one to two hours because i know i can't stay focused for longer than that turn off all notifications because if i want to do something i don't want any notifications i don't want the phone going off i don't want to listen to you know, because every time that suddenly you get one of those distractions it, it will take me probably about five or ten minutes to then come back to where i was so i'll give myself a, a block of time this is when i've got to work shut the door and turn off all the, all the distractions. So the other thing is probably before that, and, and this is part of my morning routine, is to actually I'll do a bit of a brain dump. So I've got everything out of my head. There's nothing worse as well. Is you're having all those different ideas. That I, my brain just keeps going the whole time. So yeah, one of the first things I do in the morning is to, is to let everything go, put it out there, and then you know focus on what I've got to do for the day. That one thing that is important to me. So yeah, fo- yeah, being focused in today's world is it's difficult, but it's necessary. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 becoming increasingly challenging as well. I think at the moment, isn't it? With so many different ways to get in touch, and I have I love people, I love people, and I'll say to them, choose a way to get in touch with me because they'll ring, they'll text, <laughs> they'll send a message on Messenger, and and then send another one on WhatsApp too. And it, it you know, it it just blows your brain, and and focus is so challenging. And I think it kind of rings back to your first point around having a strategic goal. Because having a goal then helps you create priorities, doesn't it? And then the the clearer your goal, uh, the clearer your priorities, the the greater the ability to focus. But I've um, you know I've, I've read some great books about maintaining focus and productivity. Eat that frog's one of them. You know I'm quite productive in the morning and um, have that focus initially to do the most difficult, terrible task first and Absolutely. get it over and done with. Um, it's, uh, it's it's massively important, isn't it? So okay, great. Um, so we have got. And I, I didn't want to disagree. We have got seven areas for, for improvement um, and for, for success. <laughs> so we're going to move on to the sixth one fairly quickly. And that's around creating a great culture. And, and you use particularly the term esprit de corps. Have I pronounced that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. You taught that from day one of joining the Marines. And they, they create this esprit de corps. And I think, you know, what is that? And it's, a, it's this common spirit that exists between members of a group or team that inspires enthusiasm, devotion, and a strong regard of honor. It's, when you look at culture, you know, what, what the hell is it? it? 
it's basically how we do stuff around here. Yeah. But each company is different. They've got different cultures, different ways of doing stuff. But that's what it is. And how do you, you know, create a good culture? I think if you, you know, really fortunate in special forces, you have this amazing culture. And why do guys put their lives on the line to save their buddies? But not just their buddies. You know, people they've never met before. If they're going into a hostage release situation, they're they're going in there to do something that's completely dangerous. But why would they go and do that? They they do it because they believe in what they're doing. You know, they have an amazing culture. They have this amazing esprit de corps. And I, I, I look at that, I wish you could bottle it because if you could bottle that, it would be worth a fortune because every company wants it. doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter who it is. You, you want to have people. And what does it mean for the, the people inside the company? It means that they'll go above and beyond. They'll, they'll stay there till eight o'clock at night working and, and doing stuff and putting their effort into being with that company. So I think it's, again, it comes back to what we were talking about before, the, the induction, as you said, you know, having that pathway of having been believed in and being part of a, a group, you, know, you understand the values, and you see other people. You, know, you mentioned you know, the, the guy that you were working for before, and it's having role models. It's having people that have got those values, and you're like, that. what well, he fits in here. Do I want to be in here? And I think that that's you know, really important. Alongside of that is having recognition, and I've learned that since being in the Marines. I think the only thing you, you, know, you, you used to get recognized when you'd done something wrong in the forces. You know, if you were late, you'd be recognized and you'd be punished. But I think in business, it's, it's very important that we recognize you know, the, the people within your team and make them feel valued, mm. especially now. In the situation we're in now, a lot of people have never worked from home. They've never been out of their environment. So it's alien for a lot of people. And I think get in communication with them. You know, talk to them on a regular basis and make them feel that they are still part of a a team and, and because it's really important now more than ever that we feel valued. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Esprit de corps. It, it, it's, it's almost like the, the, the unicorn, which, which the, an organization wants to, wants to chase after and to have it. So, so massively important because it creates an intrinsic motivation in people and it creates discretionary effort um, in, in, in what people are willing to do. You know, when, when you look at the forces in particular, you know, there, there's no wealthy bankers in the forces. There's no, there's no ridiculously paid, overpaid politicians. They, these are guys who are earning a fair, decent salary and are willing to put it all on the line for their mates all on the line and that, that that is absolutely the culture you want to create for your business and it's not it's not about the wage at the end of the day it's yeah. like they're doing it because of that belief not and yeah it's nice that they are um rewarded for that but yeah it, it it's it was never that wasn't part of it and during my time we actually went from being normal marines to special forces and then suddenly having special forces pay which was great <laughs> really yeah. great but it wasn't about that it was being part of that organization and i think that if you can put get that get a company and get those values passed on and people believing in those values it's absolutely brilliant yeah brill brill so so the seventh point and uh obviously i, I couldn't say no to you jim around a seventh point uh, so you know I've, I've agreed to this one it's got i've personally got a fairly high propensity for risk um you know it took a lot for me to leave the safety of a full-time employment i've got a young family four dependent children so a really really big thing for me when i moved on from corporate life with with really no guarantee no guarantee of success no guarantee of income either to be able to support my family and so the seventh one i was like 
I've just got to include it. I wasn't going to come back and say, let's cut this down. So be daring. Yeah. So what, what does that mean to you, Jim? And, and why is it so important in the pursuit of success? Well, I think it's fairly, I mean, if, if you look at special forces, then they have to be daring or we, we think they're daring, but actually what they do is understand risk. Okay. And it's like before you set up, you know, flagship training, you, know, you, you, you decide, you, you, can I do this? And, and you have the belief in yourself to go forward and do it. And I think it's, it's all about that, especially in business. It's the more daring you can be, the more rewards that you can get. I think I mentioned it earlier that, you know, we, we need to have challenges on a regular basis in our life anyway. We, we, humans need that, and we feel so much better when we've achieved something. So having a challenge, but it's understanding the challenge. And I had 20 years in Special Forces, but you know, for 15 years, I've been a risk advisor to Lloyds of London. Yes. So it's actually understanding and understanding risk as a whole thing. But sometimes you've just got to you've just got to go and do it. And it's like let go of the outcome and just go and do it. Sometimes we, you know, you walk by a telephone 10 times because you don't want to make that call. We don't yeah. like people saying no to us, especially we don't like failure. Yeah, absolutely. But if you don't admit it, if you don't admit that there's a problem there, you'll just keep walking by the telephone. So, you know, at a certain stage, and the, the quicker you can get over it, the better. Because once yeah. it's done, it's done, and, and, and you've passed that, that obstacle or that block. And we, we get those. You know, it, it happens. But it's that adaptability again. You know, how do we get around this? Let's get over it. We quite often like to be in our comfort zone. Yes. But the adventure zone is just out there. <laughs> and that's, yeah, where, that's where the fun takes place. And, and at this moment in time, I'm very happy being in my house in my comfort zone. There's a, there's a bloody virus out there. So there's times when you stay in your comfort zone and, and enjoy it. Um, yeah. And but there will be a time when we have to go out, and it's like understanding the risks of going out. What are they? What do they include? How do we overcome that? I, in a parachute accident, I, I broke my back, and for several, I never thought I'd run again. And then a few years ago, I, I um, started doing some training. But two years ago, a friend of ours, John Sinclair, suggested about running the, the Lincoln 10K, and um, so we ended up. I thought, well, I'll, I'll do the training and see how I get on. And I completed it and it was only 10K. But for me, that was a massive achievement because I'd done something that I didn't think I could ever run that distance again. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, do you stay in your comfort zone or do you push yourself to do that bit Definitely. more? Definitely. But we all get so much benefit from you know, pushing ourselves a little bit more than staying in a comfort zone. Because if we do stay in our comfort zone, nothing happens. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more and that, that's why I wanted to include include the be, the be daring as I said it's so it's so vitally important I think to to being able to come out of your comfort zone I'm reading a book at the moment I, I don't know how good it is because I've not long started it but it's called The 50th Law by, by 50 Cent actually who, who is a, a rap artist and he grew up in tough gangland you know the threat of getting shot and the drug dealing and all of the challenges that he faced. And now he's a, you know, he's a multimillionaire uh, music artist with various, mer you know, merchandise and what have you. And he's made a great amount of money. The whole book is about the ability to be fearless and, and fearlessness um, and, and why it's so important for us to overcome ourselves. And uh, sort of the, the only real point that I've, I've got to make adding on top of that is actually understanding that achievement, like you said, 
when you, when you said it's only 10K, but achievement's individual to us. We mustn't compare ourselves to other people because we are all individuals and uh, that, that achievement is an individual success. All, all we've got to be is marginally better than we were yesterday. We mustn't look at people who are 20, 30 years down the line. It'd be so wrong of me to, to call, compare myself to someone 20, 30 years my senior in business because it, it's just totally unhelpful. And, and, and it's unrealistic as well. So we, we put unrealistic pressures on ourselves and that, that's quite prevalent now as well with social media and the ability to see into what other people are doing. However, you know, I, th- I, think, it, I think it's massively important to have that perspective of, look, this is where I am now and, and this is a helpful achievement for me to step into this, which is out of my comfort zone and then to step into that. And as, as you do it more and more, you expand um, your comfort zone as well and your propensity for risk and actually... It is more rewarding, as you say. So, uh, yeah, finally, then, um, I wanted to ask you a concluding question around isolation, Jim. Um, many of our listeners will be feeling very isolated currently. And, and uh, just as a final question to, to conclude this, uh, would you mind telling us about a time that you've been very isolated and ha- how you overcame that? I think that there's, there's, you know, I've been, I've been chatting with a few people recently, especially ex-forces people, and, and they're dealing with this quite well because we're used to being in situations where you're stuck in the middle of nowhere you know one stage i had you know three months in the middle of the mojave desert so you're used to that isolation one of the things that we we would do operationally is is what we call an observation post where you you, you're basically doing surveillance on an enemy position and you potentially could be in one of those and the idea is that you have to you have to be close enough to be able to see the enemy which unfortunately that means that they could potentially see you so you 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 know you, you camouflaged them out and but you could be in one of these places for you know a, a month at a time. It could be even longer, and you would have to have a routine and absolute basic routine. You'd be on watch, or you'd be sleeping, or you'd be doing yourself some food. You probably wouldn't be able to cook, but you'd be able to have some food, and you'd be probably doing a bit of weapon preparation just in case something went wrong. So that would be it. But you did you had this schedule, and when you are away, one of the few things that you do have the option. To or you, the look forward is possibly the food. And in certain situations, as I mentioned, you wouldn't be able to cook. You would you, your toilet routine. If you're lucky enough, you might be able to get out at night. Sometimes you wouldn't be able to get out at night. And if you're stuck in there, you know, 24/7, I, I won't go into the toilet routine. I'll leave that to your imagination. But if you're lucky enough to be able to stretch your legs at night and you know do something and, and, and move back a little bit from where you were, then you, you you look forward to that that food because that becomes a highlight. And I think if you can relate that to now, and as you say, we we've we've been forced on it, and some people are taking it well, and some people are taking it not so well. One of the things I would say is is like, give yourself a routine. I, I have a, a, a routine. Well, I start off the day with a morning routine, which is make your bed, and that may sound a little bit silly in the Marines. Yeah, you know, when you first do basic training, you are taught you know, you're taught how to make your bed to the sharpest corners, and if it wasn't right, it'd be ripped out, thrown out the window. And Kim's not quite that bad. Yeah, she actually gives me points on making a bed, but <laughs> but it, it's actually really nice at the end of the day when you're knackered, you've had a long day to come back to a ready-made bed, and you've also you've completed a task. Yeah. you've actually done something. So yeah. it may be very simple. Do a bit of meditation, clear your head, and if you're that way inclined, do some gratitude because it's really good to put some positive stuff into your brain because our brain is really good at being negative. Yes. It, 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 it goes to a negative 
five. So if you if you can start telling yourself that you are actually good, don't listen to the the little guy in the shoulder that's always having a go, and he always will. Um, whatever yeah. you're doing, it's like yeah, you're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. Forget him. Put some po- deliberately put some positive gratitudes into your mind, and then do some exercises. I think yeah, we were both talking about that before we started. I went did a really good five k run this morning. If I'm feeling low, I know that exercise helps me. It gives you those good endorphins that make you feel a little bit better. Doesn't matter whether it's a run, a walk. You know, I've been doing a lot of walking recently. A cycle, or even. And I know you're doing it. I started off doing it and I've left it alone a little bit. But Joe Wicks. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just just anything like that is really good. And then once you've done that is have a nutritional breakfast, because I think that's really important as well that we that we do that. At this moment in time, plan your meals. I, I get really excited about the meals. You know, we've got loads of cookbooks. What can I have to, you know, how can we, even though we're in isolation, how can we make something special about the day? And I think that's really important for the kids. If you can get the kids involved as well, yeah, they just love getting involved. So get everybody, make it a community event. Also, I'm very fortunate. And I, I know there's a lot of people that are stuck. My son's in a, uh, an apartment in Dubai. Yeah, if you've got a garden, get into the garden or at least get out because that's vitamin D. And vitamin D is good for our nutritional system. It's good for our immune system. So that's really important. Read something positive. You're talking about different books there. I don't know if you've come across Admiral McRaven's book called Make Your Bed. I don't actually know. It's a phenomenal book. But it, it, this guy, go on YouTube, Google Admiral McRaven, and he does a, a university talk to the University of Texas. It is probably the most inspirational talk you will ever hear. You know, yeah. He's a former SEAL. His career did obviously a lot better than mine did, ended up as an admiral. But it's that positivity that you need to get in from somewhere because there's so much turn off. I'll do the five o'clock news, but I won't listen to it all day because it's just depressing. Yeah, absolutely. Learn, yes. know what we have to learn. But the other thing is if you've got a hobby, do something, you know, get a passion. You know, it could be dancing, but start something. Have I told you about my sword? Uh, nice. No, tell, tell us about your sword, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> about the day before we went into lockdown, for quite a few years, I've been thinking about having a sword. I used to live in a flat, and they had loads of different swords on the walls. And I thought I'd like to have a proper military sword. And I, I bought it off the auction. But I've become a bit of a nerd on swords at the moment because it's <laughs> it's a 1897 military issue sword. It's a George V sword. I actually keep it quite handy at the moment because I'm I'm trying to prepare it and clean it. it it wasn't in good condition. There we go. Look at that. For the benefit of people who are listening, Jem has got his sword out. It's quite incredible. <laughs> Look at that. Just to try and find out the history of it, to clean it, the best yeah. one. It, it has become a, a really nice distraction. And I've also got a, a huge list of jobs that we're slowly getting through. The garden's looking good. I'm now on the paint works. I'm working away. Have a list of jobs and, and again, tick them off. Yeah. Because it's, it's that achievement of actually ticking it off and achieving it. Connect with others a bit like we're doing here. Yeah. You know, if you haven't heard from somebody, and I think that's really important, you know, just think of who are the mates, who are the ones that I haven't spoken to for a while. So there's definitely a few of us out there that are not doing as well as others. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a really important time to just connect with everybody and, and make sure that we're, we're all in that. As you know, I'm running a little happy hour tonight on the for a, a, a group of us to come together and i think we've got a bit of a fancy dress theme going on so it could be interesting but it's doing those different things that just bring people together make us still feel part of a community sleep really important it's all those natural things as you know i'm a bit of a 
nutritionist. And I, I, but that is really important at the moment because that's building up your immune system. Absolutely. And again, like our physical side, yeah, we can train our immune system. So yeah, eat good food to, to build up that immune system because this is a war. And what, mm. what tools have we got? Yeah, our body is fighting or could potentially fight this. So make it as strong as possible. And I think one of the things that we often forget or we don't want to do is ask for help. When, when so things are getting a bit tough, it's like we don't want to let other people know, but definitely ask for help. And because so many people are there. And I think that's, that's a, a, another interesting thing in business. Yeah, we don't think people want to help us. But as soon as you ask the question, it's like, could you give me some advice on this? It's like, yeah, yeah, this is what you should be doing. And you suddenly get yes. some, this amount of wisdom that people will just give you and, and are happy to give you if you ask in the, the, the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing is um, be, a, be a lighthouse. Yeah, okay. help people. Yeah, it's like okay. you beam outwards as opposed to taking it all inwards. So help other people. I'm involved in about three or four different charities and it's just finding out you know, helping out you know, what needs to be in the house. How can, how can we do different things? Can I... Especially at the moment, is that, you know, anybody that needs some shopping or something picking up? Yeah, is, is there anything we can do? So it's just helping others during this time. And one of the values that I was taught right at the begin, beginning of my marine training was keep laughing. And it's <laughs> humor in the in adversity. It, it's like when things are stuff tough, we've still got to laugh about them. And actually, those emotions or the, the endorphins that that laughter creates. I'm on several different WhatsApp groups and. There's some amazing you know, mims and cartoons and jokes coming through. And, and some of them you're like, but they are so funny. <laughs> and, it's like, Absolutely. and you then pass them on to somebody else and you're making somebody else laugh. And it, 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 it's a crazy thing about, you know, this social media, how we can just pass this stuff around and how many times that they will be passed around. But it is really important that you get something that actually makes you laugh, especially if it's that good deep old stomach laugh and you feel happy. So... Definitely, definitely, hundred percent. Wow, there's some some fantastic tips there, Jim, around gratitude and giving to others and sharing with others and healthy body, healthy mind, nutrition. So many, so many great things to to, to think about there. So I really, really appreciate that. And uh, and that sort of draws draws this to a close. So I want to say a big, big thank you for for joining me today. I do genuinely, really, really appreciate it. You're an absolute superstar to to, to come and join us. How do our audience get in touch with you, Jim? How do they they follow you what's the best channels to to follow you on uh, i've got a website gemhills.com that's fairly easy um i'm on linkedin gemhills and i'm on facebook but um i i'm i started a couple of years ago becoming an inspirational speaker that business is pretty dead at the moment but the coaching stuff is going strong and basically i'm here to help so you know if there is anybody there that have any questions wants to have a chat or anything then just get in touch yeah i'm, I'm at the end of a phone i'm at the end of a email Brilliant, brilliant, Jim. Thank you very much. So you, so you heard that, everyone. Jem, Jem Hills, uh, go visit his website. Link in on LinkedIn. Absolutely brilliant, inspirational speaker. I've heard Jem several times. Absolutely fantastic story. Really, really worth listening to. So uh, yeah, make sure you tune in. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your time. Please do follow me at Pete Rushmer on LinkedIn. Or on Facebook, follow Flagship Training UK. And you can find us on YouTube too at Flagship UK.